Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. We talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez. And I am Brenda DeShazer. And this is Ellas. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our third episode of Ellas. Today we have with us Kimberly Martinez, a fellow Cal State LA colleague and currently a community health worker. Welcome to the show, Kim. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. Um, as I said, she graduated from Cal State LA. She is now in a nonprofit working in the health career. Um, tell us your story. Tell us how it all started, how yes. it all began. When I was in college, I had this um, goal of becoming a doctor. But while I was while I was taking my pre-med classes, um, I learned about the public health field. The public health field it's a it's a kind of like a it's a, a bunch of careers <laughs> that are kind of like similar to that are actually in the health field, but it focus uh, their focus is a dif- uh, it's a little bit different than becoming a doctor. Instead of uh, working with individuals, they try to work at the community level. Mm-hmm. And they focus on preve- prevention through health education, research, and policy change. Um, I feel very like intrigued of those careers. So instead of like keep doing my pre-med classes, I decided to switch into public health. Okay. And I just fall in love with it. Yeah. And I, um, it made me realize about how so many changes I could make by just following that career. And that's the reason that I'm here today. Um, right now, in my current position, I work for a nonprofit called Esperanza Community Housing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I work as a community health worker. Um, and in my job, my, well, my job deals with um, education, but for asthma, lead poisoning, and allergy triggers. We go in communities that are, in communities that are low income, like in South Central in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, we make appointments with uh, families that they have a child with asthma or that they took their child to the doctor and they have a level of lead in their blood. And we just go with them, uh, give them education, uh, check in their apartment. If they have asthma or if they have allergies, we go and check the house or apartment to see if like what are the triggers for if they have any triggers that are making their asthma or their allergies worse and then we just like give them a location of how they can eliminate those triggers like and um we also i it's not for my position but i help if they if there's like any um like any tasks on policy like oh like there's a meeting for a hearing or something like that uh, i go to those meetings as well as well oh. to advocate for the individuals and in, who reside in south central that's amazing <laughs> that is really cool it sounds like she's making like a really big impact in fact yeah. on la yeah on improving the health of the community and also it's mo- most focused like you said on environmental um, it's issues. The environmental issues. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like all this smog, this like pollution, pollution <laughs> and this climate change that is happening and is affecting not only the world but our health. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
you know, you're, you're helping people that are in the disadvantage of not getting a proper, proper um, health care. Mm-hmm. And you're there educating them and like, you know, you know, guiding them what to do or how to like improve their health. Yeah. Basically. yeah. Especially with undocumented people who reside in South Central and mm-hmm. they're not accessing the services because they're scared of getting deported. Yes. It's a good service that we provide because they're like, you don't have to go with the doctor. You don't have to go call the health inspector to like check your health. We can go and provide you with location mm-hmm. and provide you with other resources uh-huh, to yeah. make them more comfortable. And I think that's health. really mm-hmm. big on the you know, Latinx community, like, mm-hmm. as you as American born but Mexican raised and I as, like, a first generation, like, our parents are so scared of going, reaching um, to the government, you can say, or, like, to, like, the help that the government provides because, in a way, they think, I might get deported if I ask mm-hmm. for medical help or, mm-hmm. you know, some... <laughs> That and also the language barrier, which yes. I see that is a problem because mm-hmm. I myself, I'm a Spanish speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised in Mexico and I was born in the United States, but I was raised in Mexico. And moving to the United States was a whole different experience for me because of the language. Even me and my father, uh, when he used to take me to the doctor, it was a struggle because there was always that barrier and there was that person who couldn't, could not help yes. us all the way through because... Mm. Um, they didn't know like how to speak Spanish how or to translate. Mm-hmm, translate or they will speak Spanish but like they will use the fancy words they will they will not have no how to communicate with us yes mm. so that's the reason that I decided to also go to like the health field because I wanted to I was like well I know Spanish and I know that there's people like me who are mm-hmm. struggling I want them to have uh, to give them that accessibility yes mm-hmm. it's so they don't struggle Actually, that was a uh, question in my interview. They were like, why do you want to do this job? And I was like, uh, I know that in that community in mm-hmm. South Central, there's a lot of people who are mono, uh, Spanish. They ha- mon- they're like the Spanish mono- monolingual yes. community. The say. majority, yeah. Have, okay. The majority. And it's a struggle for them to be asking for like the service. Like, some of them, they have told me, like, oh, I go with the doctor. They tried to explain me, but like, I couldn't understand what they were trying to say. Mm. Or like, oh, they didn't even explain me because they were too busy with other stuff. So uh, for me, it's like, uh, like uh, it fulfills me, it fulfills me. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, yeah. from your personal experience when you were yeah. younger, you're like, I like not scarred, but like kind of like <laughs> yeah. scarred from that. Like you want to make sure that doesn't happen to somebody else out mm-hmm. there. Like now you're going to be the advocate for exactly those yeah. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to be that link between that cultural and language barrier that, you know, our community has with here. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. exactly. And it's something important because it's, it's like per- the people's health, you know, it's mm-hmm. vital and it's great that, you know, you're there and, you're not only educating them, but you're like, so in a way, does this, is this like, it's sometimes difficult, not only in the language side, but like maybe I understand that some people don't always trust the doctor and they put low their health Uh in like, God's hand sometimes. And, and not just the doctors. Yeah. It's just that the problem that uh, the health system that you know is a problem mm-hmm. because uh, doctors are too busy with older patients. Sometimes they don't even make the time to like give them the proper education. That's the reason why public health educators are important in this piece because mm-hmm. I'm like, why well, the doctor is like too busy? At least we can provide the education with them 
for them. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Especially um, sometimes like the language, well, I keep saying the language, but it is a problem sometimes the language because even if it's in English, sometimes they use like high words that you don't understand they're not accessible, accessible to you because mm -hmm. of the level of education. So that's a problem too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you understand like, for example, asthma triggers, not many people know what is that. So uh -huh, like, you have to explain them like, yes. okay. Mm -hmm. in their own words yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. in their own words and it's just the fact that yes not many people trust the doctors like mm -hmm. uh, i feel like sometimes they trust more people like me or yes. other members i mean other co-workers because we dress like them like when we go to do this type of jobs mm -hmm. we don't dress fancy or anything like that we just go like with jeans or sweaters yes. or, uh -huh. it's like casual friday every this, day yeah it's like casual <laughs> friday every day because we want to connect with the community yeah we don't yes. want them to make them feel like oh i know more better than you or anything like that we're in the same level we're trying to help each other yeah you're <laughs> more approachable that way like yeah. i'm more likely to go to somebody with jeans rather than yeah like, just yeah. that makes a difference to them yeah we're like oh, okay i trust you more like uh -huh. yeah that and also sometimes like not even just the health system but even like um the county or like the inspectors give you a problem too because as i said we also deal with lead poisoning Mm. And the the number rule in my job is like not in any uh, we don't we shouldn't have lead in our body at all. It, like mm. your body doesn't need lead. So sometimes like the doctor will tell you like uh, like if they find lead on the child's blood, they'll be like oh like it has lead, but it's like uh, it's a like a like a small level. Mm. And some people will say like oh okay so it's not bad. But I mean it was not like it's bad because you shouldn't have it in your blood at all, <laughs> at all. yeah <laughs> <Not> that <laughs> and the uh i mean and sometimes they do have inspectors that they go to apartments but you know like especially right now with the problem with gentrification um the landlords sometimes like they don't fix the buildings or like they will say like oh but like there was land my in my chest blood so can you fix the apartment and they'll be like yeah we'll fix it and they don't so oh. like uh -huh. and they will call the inspectors but sometimes the inspectors like they don't really like research or anything like yeah. that mm. so that's the reason i think that is helpful like we're doing this kind of job because we're advocating for them mm -hmm. um because like sometimes like they do call the inspector they do like try to sue the landlord but sometimes it's difficult to like actually get a response like uh, i guess so most of the issues that we have seen is just like the condition of the apartments that they landlords they take advantage of it mm -hmm. and they don't fix them uh -huh. mm -hmm. there's apartments that i have seen that are like a nightmare you know like how why they're doing this to you i mean like you're paying rent yes mm -hmm. yeah. and they're like uh, some of them sometimes they don't fix it because uh prices are getting higher in la mm -hmm. so it's like a pressure to give to the tenants to move out Mm -hmm. like yeah. by not fixing the apartments by raising rent it's like pressuring to like go find a place somewhere else so i can raise the rent yeah. and i can move other people wow and it's especially like i feel like it's also towards people like the latino community because obviously they they may speak english but that's not their first language so also it's like oh well you know they're using that uh, disadvantage of like maybe they don't have their papers mm -hmm. and they don't have the language so we're basically gonna abuse them and we're yeah. gonna you take know advantage. take advantage of it yeah. so we can have like 
better tenants and we can improve mm -hmm. and so when that happens do you also contact legal help or uh, is it like we mostly... collaborate with another organization mm -hmm. and one is called SAGE, oh, SAGE mm -hmm. in English uh, so we collaborate with them and they do the uh, the policy and like legal all work. the legal work uh -huh. oh, okay. the legal work we just like we just do the hill the mm -hmm. hill education work and they do the legal work yeah them or they are or i think um or other nonprofits. i very very started so yeah yeah <laughs> but mostly i send them to stage mm -hmm. that's good nice. that's great and little going back now towards your childhood we can or like <laughs> yeah. you know upbringing you were telling us that you were born here, but that you were raised in Mexico, mm -hmm. and that you identify as Mexican. Yes, so, I do. Uh -huh. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, how was your life in Mexico? What, you know, inspired you to come back here and study for school? Um, well, mine was not really a choice. It was my parents' choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was born in San Diego. Um, and, but I was raised in Tijuana. Tijuana mm -hmm. is a city very close to the border between mm -hmm. San Diego. Um, there's actually many people from Tijuana who do that because it's cheaper to live over there. So they they will have like their whole yeah. life here, but like they will live over there. I mean, like they will work here in the States, yeah. mm -hmm. but they will have their life in Tijuana. I yes. mean, that's why I joined them. Um, my parents, my mother will say she didn't really like the States at the beginning. So that's the reason that she's like, we, we moved to Tijuana and I was raised there. Mm -hmm. But when I was 13, they decided like, you know what, it's time for you to like study over there and you have more opportunities over there than, mm -hmm. than Mexico. Which it is true. Like there's more advantages and like um, upper mobility over here. So that's the reason that they decided to move back. To move back. Uh -huh. I, uh, I moved here when I was in eighth grade. Um, I moved to San Diego, I mean, mm -hmm. from eighth grade, and I lived there from eighth grade to 12th grade. Um, for me, it was a, it was kind of different experience because the, it's not the, the life over here was not the same as in yes. Tijuana. But at the same time, it was not as much different because most of the people who went to my high school, they were Spanish speakers, even my professors and my teachers were Spanish speakers. Dang, that's cool. Uh -huh. So it was not that bad. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, was a, not it was that a good transition. Yeah, yeah. the nice transition. Yeah. It was a nice transition. It, it was a nice transition. But I guess like the problem was that it not helped me learn English quick. Mm -hmm. I I used to do good at writing it, but like when it was, when it was the, my time to speak in English, I just couldn't. And also sometimes like they will bully me because of my accent. Then like wow. uh -huh, people will be like, if you don't speak Spanish, just speak Spanish. You don't need to speak English because you have an accent or stuff like that. Or like, so there wasn't much encouragement. It sounds like to be yeah. like, oh yeah, like speak English. It was like, no, like you no. have an accent, mm -hmm. just speak Spanish. Like. Yeah. Even some of my teachers were like that. Instead of like communicating to me in English, they were like just communicating in Spanish. That and well, all people used to laugh about the fact that I have an accent and like I don't understand what you're saying or stuff like that. So that's yeah. the reason that uh -huh, that I got when I was there. I, I was just like scared of like actually it's like speaking the the language. Mm -hmm. It was not until I moved to college when I started to speak English and it was just because I had to. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, when I moved to LA um, for school across LA. 
I was storming and all my housemates, they, they were English speakers <laughs> and nobody, like, there was just one of them who understood me because she spoke Spanish, but the rest of them, they couldn't. So that pushed me to actually like speak it because I was like, well, I don't have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> As someone that went to college with you, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I thought you were just like bilingual and that was like, that no. was it, like that was the end of the story. Like, I didn't know you were like you were practicing your English then. I was. That's <laughs> Basically, so cool. that's when I started to practice my English. I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but, and that was uh, actually the reason too when I decided to start to stay in, in the United States because I was given the option, I, you know what, you can move back to Mexico. But I was like, no, I actually want to learn here. Mm-hmm. I want to stay here. But it was a struggle for me to navigate the system because uh, the educational system here is different from the ones in Mexico. Yes. So when uh, you're first generation, um, I don't consider myself an immigrant because I was born here, but I'm kind of like technically am. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, people don't consider me like that, but I sometimes consider myself like that just mm-hmm. because also like uh, when it comes to American culture, I just feel like I'm different from it. Mm. And that's the reason that I call myself Mexican too, because uh, some people like they're like, oh, but you're Mexican-American because you were born here. And yes. I'm like, yes, but I don't really consider myself American. Because I just don't identify with the culture, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like, I respect the culture. Most of my friends are Americans. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's just like I don't associate with it. Yeah. Um, my experiences are different from the experience of the uh, of Mexican Americans. Uh, all the ch- or Chicanos too. Yeah. Um, but because I'm like, oh, so why you don't consider yourself Chicana? I just like my experiences are just different. Yes. Mm-hmm. My ideas. Uh, some of them they are similar, but at the same time they're kind of different. So I have never feel like I fit there. Mm-hmm. I yeah. associate more with the Mexican culture. So that's the reason that when people ask me about my identity, I'm just like, I'm just Mexican. Mexican, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I was born here, but I identify more with my Mexican culture. Question. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, hold on, I'm trying to figure out how to format this. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, what do you find is the biggest difference between like, um, how you say like my experiences are more different. Like that's why I consider myself more Mexican and to uh, mm-hmm. being a Chicano or being Mexican-American, what do you find is the biggest difference that you're like, yeah, I'm more, like, no, I know that I'm more, like, I identify as Mexican. Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't me too, I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. It's just that uh, life is different. It's, uh, it's like growing up, like, like, I have a different experience, like, growing up. Just watching the cartoons, I will talk to my friends who are Mexican-Americans yeah. and they will watch these cartoons, but all of them they will watch in English, and I, will, I, and I grew up watching the Spanish. Oh, okay. <laughs> or like watching different TV shows. I was like, no, I was watching this at that time. Yes. They were like, well, we were watching this or we were listening to this. And I was like, no, I will listen to this. That makes uh-huh. sense. Just yeah. the small stuff like that. Yeah, it makes, it makes a big difference. difference. Like, yeah. uh, for example, Selena. I respect Selena. But in the Chicano culture, everybody loves yes. her. And when you're in Mexico, in Mexico, like, we liked her, but it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that big. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she was not that big. big. Yeah. I mean, I still go we to like the it. Selena nights. <laughs> so, like, I go to the Selena nights, but it's just like, it's different. Because even my friends from Tijuana, they're like, why do we doing Selena nights? I was like, it's just an, an American culture, yeah. <laughs> Mexican-American thing. That uh-huh. makes sense, yeah. It's because so it's like a Chicana icon. Uh, icon. Mm, but to yes. me, it's like, yeah, I was like, no. Like, she's cool, but... Like, she's cool, but... Yeah. <laughs> and I guess even traditions, you know, and events here that are celebrated, I imagine you don't celebrate either, you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't really... 
practiced by your family like Thanksgiving yeah <laughs> I feel so stupid about that too yeah I uh, asked Brenda the other day or last year this year yeah I was like oh what are you doing it was Thanksgiving she's like we don't celebrate that Brenda and I was like oh sorry my bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't celebrate like sometimes I because I grew up on the border some people celebrate just because the, the turkey is <laughs> like cheaper it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're like the are like oh, okay we're, we're gonna celebrate because I grew up on the border but if you go south in Mexico it's no like that's, they're like what is that yeah, yeah that's uh-huh. a very that's Americanized holiday Mm-hmm. And even like not even with us, like the Spanish came and invaded Mexico mm-hmm. while the Puritans came to the north. It's like it has nothing to yeah, do with uh-huh. the history and the culture. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a different experience for mm-hmm. everybody. Like, I will say, for example, yeah, yeah, it's just different. I, I guess the Selena one is like the main point that yeah, I always yeah. bring up because I, because I have always seen my friends always like, oh, is that Selena nine? And I'm like, Cool. cool, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but yeah, I imagine you watch like uh, shows in Canal in Canal Cinco, mm-hmm. eh, yeah, Dragon like, Ball Z. Yeah, because yeah. anime is a big thing in Mexico because we grew up with them. Yeah, <laughs> because that was like, it was not a choice that we just put in the TV. Yeah, it was on TV. Uh-huh. Yeah. I grew I up like, with like Pokemon. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the same, you know. It's the same way I grew up watching Pokemon too. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't in Spanish. But yeah. I guess like yes. that's how you say, just notice the difference. Like I will put another example. My roommate. We both like the Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And one time they were like, oh, let's mo- do a movie night and watch it together. She was watching in English, and I was like, I don't know any of those songs. I know them in Spanish, but not. <laughs> I was like, maybe it's, it's like uh, some Chicanos, they do like, uh, kind of like me, but at the same time, it's just like, I feel like that makes like the difference. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Language, even yes. Mexican-American people don't even see me like, I'm American. They just see me more like, oh, you're more from there. <laughs> yeah. So just that, uh, like, it's a this, like, it's a difference. Yeah, because I, sometimes I have feel like not like they don't like accept me that I'm that I was born yes. here, but it's just like they just assume like, oh, when I feel tell people like, no, I was born here, they're like, ah, they're, like, they're you, shocked. To yeah, like, they're how? shocked. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're <laughs> shocked. And, mo- and I got that mostly for Mexican-American people. You would think that was from a white person because, you know, like, yeah. they're like, oh, white people, it's oh. Yeah. Or, but no, it's like, that's what all the cultures, they will think that, like... Uh, Just I've, because you have an accent or you mm-hmm. identify more with the Mex- Mexican culture, you're not American-born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I'm just not viewed as American. Mm-hmm. Like, American enough. Like, mm-hmm. I guess many people start with that. Uh-huh. But because I know that some people who are Mexican Americans, like they told them, like, oh, you're not like American enough. Too. Mm. But to me, it was more like, well, now even my peers see me as American too. Then I, I myself too. So that's the reason that mm-hmm, I guess yeah. that's the one the culture differences and the reason why I associate like that. Yeah. I appreciate uh, being in the, st- the United States and I do love the Mexican American culture mm-hmm. here, the Chicano culture everything but just like uh, that's my identity for Mm -hmm. me mexicana Uh yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and you were mentioning you were talking about like this experience in high school how your own teachers who are spanish-speaking discouraged you in talking in english Mm -hmm. and i imagine you were saying also about your experience in going into college you weren't even you know guided on how to take on that transition of going into college and what career you wanted so that was definitely, I guess, also one of like the effects, negative effects of not them not seeing you American enough, mm-hmm. or 
it was that i guess the effect of that and also i guess just like because i have seen this happen in a lot of schools just mm -hmm. the fact that you're low income you're mexican american or a person of color a poc mm -hmm. um i guess just that like uh, i don't know if it's a system or i don't know like they just discourage you from trying to get into higher education i remember my school i have to like ask people like how if you were not like an ap or in mm -hmm. honors classes you were pretty much a screw in my school mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my school was like if you in my school was like well like um i don't know i guess like they have this idea that if you were not an ap or honors like it didn't matter kind of like that uh -huh. and there was just a selective group of people who were of given that access yeah. i was an ap and in honors too but i feel like not even that like was uh, enough for them was enough for them to like be like oh we're gonna help you apply to college they did a session but they will not like really like be there for you mm -hmm. i have to uh i was fortunate to meet somebody who was uh i guess she was doing kind of like a project in my high school uh she was in ucse and um her name is nashelly <laughs> And she was the one who helped me how to apply to college. She was like, okay, like, uh, you have to do this, this. Yeah. I think that that's the reason that I screwed my UC application because I didn't know what to write about. I didn't even know that we needed to write about something. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was like, I think that she wrote for me. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. Because I just didn't know. I was like, well, you have to write something because in Mexico, you just have to take a test yes. and send your grades. Uh -huh. yes. And I was like, okay, why well, have to write about? I was like, what is that? What is an internship? What is volunteering opportunity? I didn't know those stuff. Uh, I just tried to do my effort in school and I did like I joined a clubs on campus and like I, I actually I was an AP in honors I even even though I was I moved here in the eighth grade I did took uh, I was in ESL classes mm -hmm. but as soon as I moved to high school I jumped into regular classes mm -hmm, because I was like I because I have that fear that I was like I'm not going to learn yeah uh -huh. Because the one problem, too, that I saw over there is that there was not enough budget to make different ESL classes, ESL levels. Mm -hmm. Like, they would just put you in a level because there was not enough teachers to teach in the other levels. Oh, and wow. some of those levels are already, like, full. So, like, uh, like I, we know that you can go to another level of English, but right now we don't have, like, um, enough space. space. Yeah. So you're going to stay here. And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm just going to jump into regular classes. And I remember that when I was in ninth grade, I was in regular classes, and by 10th grade, I was already in honors English or AP. Mm -hmm. But not even just that, like, but I just did it because I took the, that's what I needed to do. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't know, like, that, for example, AP classes were important because you could get credit for college. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I just took that, oh, okay, it's just going to look good in my transcript or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, since they don't have you know, room for me, I should take this class. But there was no like education on how. Oh, why you need to take yeah. that class or like if you want a career in hell like what kind of careers I need to like just the fact that like, I guess to apply to med school I didn't know anything of that I remember that when I was like trying to look for a college I was like just put me in any major because I don't even know like what why, career what you want uh -huh. to study mm -hmm. yeah I was just like I just want to be a doctor but I didn't know that I needed to first graduate as an undergrad get my bachelor's and then mm -hmm. apply to med school I took that you could go to Mexico like directly. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, you were saying like in Mexico and here, the education is so different. In Mexico, you go straight into medicine. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to college. Or, really? Yeah. Yeah. You can just go straight. You just apply and straight. So like right after you're done with like 
high school in Mexico, you just go straight into med school? Straight. <laughs> and there's like... <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So... Shocking. Where, like, a little, like, their college does not exist in Mexico. It's straight university. It's like, you study medicine, you do four years of medicine, and during those first years, four years, you're an intern in public hospitals, and you're attending patients. And after those four years, you have to do your residence. And after that, another like eight years of like yours, you have to specialize in certain areas. So there's like a lot of, I know because I have a lot of friends in the medical field in Mexico, mm -hmm. a lot of people that study medicine here, like going to study in Mexico because they have that on hands experience that they are not given here in the US. That's true because you here you graduate and then you go into a university for four years and mm -hmm. then after that you go to like a med school mm -hmm. and then on top of that then you go into like your special it's like a lot yeah, a lot like three more years yeah. to, to specialize, yes. And you don't have like hands on experience until like a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's yeah, different. It's different. So that's the reason that I just didn't know how to navigate the system. I was like, what classes I need to take? Uh, what, uh, how, I, how can I apply to college? If it was not because Nigeria helped me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have graduated you know, this past May. Uh, that's the reason. <laughs> I know. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and not even just that, also community college. I mean, community college and college. Uh, sometimes I regret not going to community college because everybody used to tell me like, oh, don't do it. It's just going to like stop you from graduating. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was the difference between community college and college. UC, state, I didn't know anything about that. I was just like, this is cool, it's in LA. I'm going to LA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they accepted me. Okay, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also being in college, I guess that's the reason that it took me a long time to graduate because I was trying to just figure out like what career I want to do, what, what like, is, I knew yeah. that I wanted to work in the health field. I just didn't know what to do. That and I even took a whole quarter off, kind of like off just to like took a bunch of classes like what I like <laughs> to see yeah. like what I want to do. I didn't know like how to apply to financially. I remember like actually my first year I didn't, I did got like um, I was financially but mostly I got loans. Mm -hmm. because at that time unfortunately I guess my dad was making too much I was like no <laughs> he doesn't make enough to pay for my education and I didn't know anything about scholarships I just hear I used to hear people in my high school like oh did you apply to this scholarship or did you do this and I was like I don't know well, what is that <laughs> like what is that <laughs> I was like just trying to make my dad proud or my mom proud yeah. <laughs> that's it and I actually wanted to go back to Mexico. And my dad, he supported me, but at the same time, he was like, just to stay here. He was like, he was like that's the reason that people from other countries, they come here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but I don't regret it because thanks to that, I learned how much of a difference, a difference I can make here than being in Mexico. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Going back to um, how you said your father supported you to stay here. How do your parents um, respond or react or how do they yeah, like <laughs> you in the field that you're in right now? Or how do they respond oh. to you in the field that you're now? <laughs> at the beginning, my mom, my father, he never like got mad at me because he was just like, as long as you have a career, I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. like, just finished college. He was always very supportive on that. But my mother, she wanted me to be a doctor. She was like, I want a doctor in the family. <laughs> and she and the problem is that public health is not career to, in Mexico. There is no careers in yes. public health. Yeah. That doesn't exist Oh, over there. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Last time, actually, this past uh, Christmas, I was having a conversation with some of my friends. 
and we're discussing that they're like yeah i was like because one uh one of my friends asked me also what you do in the states and i was like oh i work in the public health field and she was like what is that and she's like i never hear about that <laughs> she lives in mexico and she was like what and i was like oh like it's kind of like you it's more like it goes more into health education research policy into that oh my mom she didn't know that too so she was just like i wanted to have a doctor in the family what happened yeah uh, but then like i started like i explained her like well instead of doing that i'm going to do this i like this more and she understands now and she likes it so now she supports me uh i guess the i did have a problem with her like moving to los angeles because she was never really never supportive of my education mm -hmm. it was mostly my dad mm -hmm. so that was a problem too And the problem that, like, they couldn't, so, like, my dad did help me the first year, but after that, like, he was kind of like, you're, he was like, I can help you with, with some money, yeah. but I cannot help you all the, all all the, the way. way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also my mother in the middle, like, I feel like, I, I think that in my fourth year, she suffered from disability, so that was another problem for me. Mm. Like, to the point that, that I was working, like, two jobs and going to school full time. Wow. I think that my last year I was doing an internship. I was uh, working full time and working two jobs. Wait, mm -hmm. so internship, full time, two other side jobs, and full time school? Mm -hmm. What the wow. heck? Did you sleep? <laughs> like... No, I didn't, I didn't sleep. <laughs> She's like, I'll sleep on when I'm dead. It's fine. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was my last year, so that's the reason that I was like, I just want to finish. And that's uh, it. Get it over. Yeah. Uh, I was in the internship, I was working two jobs, and I was doing the full time. But it's it's doable if you don't have a boyfriend, if you don't like your social life, <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Right, right. <laughs> and but it's amazing, like you know, you're now you're graduated. You're working at uh, Esperanza. Esperanza, mm -hmm. and so you know, you were talking about you know Esperanza and how you're educating people. Have you ever encountered any like obstacles in your career in terms of like? you know, upper management not letting you take certain decisions or, um, you know, providing certain information? No, so far my organization has very supportive uh, to the point that, um, like, I told them that I was more interested in the research part. Mm -hmm. And my supervisor, she's just very supportive. She's like, we, uh, you can start working with, uh, another, with another person in, in our organization that focuses on research. Mm -hmm. You can help her. And also, they don't like the data. She's like, you can help me by learning about data and all that stuff. And then you bring me the information. And that's how you can also get your experience. I was like, okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, it is true that when you work, it does matter kind of to make your life a little bit better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also, like, to keep having that passion in your work field. Because uh, before working in Esperanza, I was working in another position. And I felt that in that position that I used to hold, they were not supportive this one yeah and to the point that i didn't like i was like thinking do i really want to keep doing public health like do i really want this but when i switched my when i switched uh, jobs and i started to do this work i was like okay and now i know that i did a good choice it was not the fact that i didn't like public health it was more like the other position that i was holding mm. and the environment the work environment the work environment in, uh, yeah. it was more more like that It was not because I hear like many stories of people graduating and then not liking like what they study. Oh, so <laughs> many. So yes. Many. So that, that's why I was scared. I was like, what if I don't like it? But now that I'm doing this, I was like, okay. So it was not. It was not my decision of studying this. It was just the work environment I used to have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, we've been like coming across like I think with our own lives and like our past guests. Like, it isn't you, but it's like this 
maybe environment that you're in you have to take yourself out of it and then like be in a better position of like enjoying your job but also being happy yes yeah. when you're younger you think like okay i just want like the most money i can get out of mm-hmm. whatever job i can get and then when you're in a job you realize like wow my happiness is so much greater than how much i get paid like mm-hmm. it's like your wellness matters more <laughs> that is true yeah because i work in that in the other position for seven months and i was just like no i can't keep doing this so i decided to switch and uh, that's why my parents they do got scared on that one because they're like but you barely started yeah. the position why, uh, why are you moving they're like why and i was like i just don't feel happy and they're like it's not a good reason like you're already there yeah uh-huh. but you sometimes have to take risk yeah but like don't leave your job like stay in your job and look for other ones yes you yeah. yeah don't quit before you got another job, another job. Yeah. 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 and what would you advise a uh, young women that want to you know start in the public health and especially in terms of research and helping lower income um, communities like what tips or yeah advice you would give them like if they decide to take this path just give it a try because many people are stuck like being doctors or nurses Mm -hmm. and sometimes like some of them they're in the public health already i mean they're they're like studying public health but they're just focused on like becoming a doctor and nurse but there's other uh, tracks in the career so mm-hmm. like i guess i will give them as advice i try them all because uh, i feel like any of any of those girls are beautiful the the work is beautiful uh, one thing that they did told me when i was in college and like it is true is like you don't become a millionaire by doing this because it's public work yeah <laughs> you don't become a millionaire but with working for the people and like, it's so much more rewarding yeah. in a way yes it is very rewarding <laughs> So if you're going to work in the public health field, I will say like just have that in mind. Like you're there for the people, and sometimes mm-hmm. it gets like tricky because, like for example, like I guess for anything because uh, you do get emotionally exhausted because mm-hmm. you see the struggles that people are going yeah. through, and like sometimes you don't know how to help them. Like you, you sometimes you go to home and you get stressed out. Like it's because it's kind of like social work. Social work, you deal with cases. Same way, same here. Like people like getting re- doing research, doing data. They too, because they hear the stories too. Like uh-huh. environmental health, especially environmental health. Environmental health is it is kind of sad sometimes because like uh, for example, like uh, my supervisors, they have been there for twenty years. I guess one problem that they did advocate, like they did a lot of advocate work. It was the fact that they were building. Um, uh, they were doing, they called it a hole because they were like, uh, uh, estaban agarrando petróleo. Ah, sí, how do sí. you say that? Like, they were um, like. Petroleum, like, yeah, they were getting. Dicen como que están, I forgot the word. They were trying to get in, to get petroleum, I guess, from the area. Like, they were looking, searching for it or something like that. Okay. But the thing is that they were doing this type of work in a community that like surrounded by houses like people were living there oh. like across some apartments so they were trying to extract oil uh-huh. they while were people were still living yeah. there uh-huh. yeah what? and they were not doing a safety way that was like years ago i think that they're still like um uh, fighting it uh 
and they were not doing the work safely uh, to the point that people got sick. People were bleeding from like through their noses. Like they were having headaches. And my supervisor, no, no, I was not my supervisor. I think it was other people from the nonprofit. They did uh, clearings. They did like um, oh, strikes yeah. to uh, stop that. And they're still. I think that they're still working on it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a, that's what I say that it's emotionally uh, like sometimes straining, strong, uh, straining uh, because uh, you see this type of stories or you hear stories and you just have to think about it. Like even if it's a small change, it it can make a difference. It can make a big difference. Just going to some like just brought education. Even like in my last job when I was uh, my last position, I was working in the HIV and STI pre- prevention area mm-hmm. and. Sometimes I, well, I did education on HIV and STIs, mm-hmm. and just doing a presentation for 13-year-olds can make a difference. People don't think, like, oh, like, that's not going to make them change, change their mind, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe something that they hear from there, like, is going to be make them, like, oh, okay, I need to protect myself. Yes. Or I need to, like, um, think about my health. Be yeah. more cautious mm-hmm. if I'm going to, you know, practice just practice safe sex or anything like that yeah Yeah. Uh i think it's cool that she also had the um you had the view that like no like don't just not talk to them because you don't think they're not going to change their view like i'm still going to talk to them and if it does change their mind then great like a lot of the times there's a missed opportunity because like i'm not going to talk to that person because like they're stubborn in their way or like they're already grown up in their way Mm -hmm. but it's like no it's just like no one has reached out to them yet Mm -hmm. type of thing yeah Mm-hmm. So stuff, just the stuff like that. Like another example is that, like in my job, because we go to houses, we do home visits. Sometimes I we hear about domestic violence or like other emotional bonds that people have, and just like being there for them, like uh, just listening to them, like uh, it helps them too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess that this can also be for those who wants to work in so- social work yeah. <laughs> too. Yeah. Uh-huh. True. I like, just think about it, like. Uh, we know that like, it's a struggle when you're in college and studying, but it's rewarding at the end. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think what's really cool is um, you hit on a point that like mm-hmm. you don't really know what you're going to do when you go into college. I think it's such a struggle when you ask like an 18-year-old, like, okay, figure out what you want to do for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. Like, you need to pick a major now. Otherwise, you're going to be in school for so long or like when they don't even have much experience going on. Mm-hmm. Like, you haven't had experience in an internship or you haven't had experience in, like, certain, like, fields or anything. And she hit a good point. Like, Kim, you hit, like, a point of, like, try everything. Like, try as much as you can. Yeah. Um, that is true. Talking about that, and now that you make a good point, too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> spending too much. I t- it took me six years to graduate from college. Honestly, the last year, I will be honest, the last year, I could have graduated, like, before that, but I decided to take an extra year mm. just because I saw a lot of people who were graduating and they didn't have jobs that they, they have jobs that they didn't like, jobs mm. that they were not, like, related to their major. So I just took that extra year to just keep doing my internship and more other like work related to my mm-hmm. career. career and yeah. to give me the time to actually like search because I saw that I want to move back home. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, this extra year is going to help me to actually like find like where I can work and yeah, yeah like take your time. Like uh, it is true that like money can be a problem because you don't mm-hmm. want to like uh, like get a lot of loans and stuff like that. But also if you work for a nonprofit, that is tax and sem, you can go you can be accepted to the loan forgiveness program Ooh, or cool. if you work for the county you can also get accepted to the loan forgiveness program but it just depends in any case but that's uh, there's a possibility that i mean that's it uh, they have that um 
thing available for them. I guess that some uh, some of them like get loans. Like yeah. uh, just know that there's a loan forgiveness program. Um, try it. Maybe you will get accepted. Um, there's nonprofits that they they're yeah. accepted for that. And not many people know, but like yeah. it's good to know. Yeah, it's that is. To know. Shout and out to nonprofits. Also, like uh -huh, loans that is a struggle too. Yeah, but yes. like it's for your education. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's for education so at the end of the day it's, re it's, it's rewarding it is mm -hmm. it is so what advice would you give your younger self like maybe your high school self or your like about to go into college self if you could talk to your younger self now <laughs> if I can and knowing all that you everything know, that you yeah. know yeah she would like be next to her like, <laughs> yeah, like applying for applications like, or like, like <laughs> let me write like, that essay for you yeah. <laughs> Right, you're say No, honestly, I feel like I always think that sometimes like you cannot like change your life. I mean, you cannot. It's kind of like your life is already like written for you. I don't know. Like how like you can have make a choice, and I like to take risks too. So I'm thinking like I, I know like maybe like if I have gone in the past, I could have write my essay better. Maybe I said that you'll see. But honestly, like, I'm glad that I was not accepted to a GC because I, being a call it was very rewarding for me. It was a unique experience mm -hmm. because like, everybody who I met there was supportive. My, the bullet hole department that I went, my teachers were awesome, my professors. I still get in contact with them. Like, they're still like on Facebook. They, last time they invited me to uh, do a presentation of, of my job. What? That's uh -huh. so cool. They're very like, so that's the reason that I'm like, I know I don't regret anything because uh, because I, I I know sometimes we didn't we don't end up in the place that we wanted to be, mm. but I guess it's also what you make out of it. Exactly. Because there's people who go to UCLA and like they too they graduate and they're like oh what I went for college I don't like this. So like it doesn't matter where you go it's just like what you made out of it. That so, is beautiful. That's gonna be a headline. <laughs> yes, it's what you make out of it. Mm -hmm. And for myself, uh, my younger self, I did that was. Um, Going to say, I mean, I was going to say that I just put love and effort in what I do. Like, just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember when I was in college, I was like, why did I want to, why did I want to study? I don't want to study anymore. <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> or like, or even in high school, I was like, I could have just stayed in Mexico and I wouldn't have struggled that much. But no, like at the end of the day, like, like right now I'm happy and I'm glad that I took all, this, all those risks. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. beautiful. That's great because, like, I think every obstacle that came your way, you were able to work, work it out, and mm -hmm. then learn more about yourself and rediscover that love you have for medicine and for public health and helping your community. So mm -hmm. it just reinforced everything and the reasons why you went to college, why you went to your industry, why you're helping your community. So it's it's great. It is. Mm -hmm. Well, Kim. <laughs> is there any last remarks any shout outs you want to do or anything you want to promote on our podcast before we close I it out I just want to promote like do internships <laughs> do, do voluntary internships. work yeah before you graduate because that's also always a problem like, people graduate and they don't do internships they don't do any voluntary work and like that's how sometimes they find a difficult time to find a job mm. Uh -huh. And uh, so far, I don't have anything to promote. If there's an event, I will let you know. So you can yes, yes. It. send it our way. We'll send put it on our way. Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram, promote it. Yes. Our Instagram, by the way, is AS, AS the podcast. We're <laughs> <laughs> just giving me a look like, say it right. <laughs> um, follow us. Uh, you will also be seen if 
you have any events, we'll put up Kimberly's events yeah. on our um, Thank you. Instagram as well. Where can people follow you? So, you know, maybe they want to see the work that you've been doing. Or maybe like young aspiring want to be in the public health yeah. and they want questions or anything, they can reach out to you. Honestly, I'm not more like to like put my face out there, but I would like to put most, I guess, my uh, organization is called yes. Esperanza Community Housing. In case that they want to enter, in case I want to volunteer, or like if they want a home visit, if you yeah. live in South Central, you want a home visit because you have like a, asthma or somebody in your family has asthma, or you have problems, I guess, with your landlord and like they're not fixed in the apartment or house. You can contact me. I mean, I mean, contact Esperanza Community Housing, and we can do a home visit for you. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I recommend to go to the or website in Esperanza Community Housing. We post our events there and like any other information that they need. We have a group of promotoras, mm -hmm. promotoras de salud es and it's for low income Latinas. So, well, it's open to everybody: Latinas, African American women, or any from any background who want to take this education they also provide education on like uh, sometimes nutrition asthma mm. mm -hmm. and they also find uh, help you to find jobs so mm -hmm. oh, if anybody cool. is interesting yeah. uh, interested like just go to esperanza community housing nice nice good to know that is awesome so once again thank you kim for being here yes, for you, you know so much. telling us your story and telling all the work of what esperanza is doing it's you know inspiring and it's great that you're you know helping the community of la really <laughs> we'll see you next time in two weeks um so follow us on instagram at ellos the podcast i'm Brenda Hernandez and Brenda Chaser and this is Ellas. Ellas is co-hosted by Brenda Chaser and me, Brenda Hernandez. Thanks to our editor and producer, DF Chaser II, and thank you to Shro, who created our theme song. This is Ellas. Yes. Yes. Okay.